Welcome everybody to Hidden Guardians Podcast, your only podcast hosted by actual Hidden Guardians. Today, Venge and I are going to be talking about Vow of the Disciple, the raid that dropped with the Witch Queen expansion. It's been out now for a while. Master version difficulty is now available. And in fact, it was the master difficulty that was the catalyst for this conversation we're going to have today. It mm-hmm. kind of spun out of a Twitter back and forth that we had revolving around loot difficulty and value basically is our time being respected and rewarded for putting in the effort on master difficulty. So, you know, I've been a little bit vocal about I'm not interested in the raid. I've now have three completions on it. I said I would actually do it just on regular, just to kind of see if my criticisms pan out or not. And we got a lot we're going to go over. As always, I'm Outrider <laughs> Venge is with me. And yeah, this is this is going to be um, a, a kind of like a little bit of a deep dive criticism for us. Yeah, um, a, a direct criticism. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's going to be civil. It's going to be polite. Uh, I can say I don't have answers as to how the things I'm going to address should be fixed. And what it comes down to is I'm not a game dev. And I don't have infinite control over time, money, resources, and human labor to do these things, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm I, in the same boat there, too. Yeah. So this is just talking about what we like and we don't like. It's kind of up to Bungie to go, okay, you know, we, we see your points. We'll fix them. It might be a while before you see a fix on future endgame rating content. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, best thing to do is to start off with what we like. And I have actually three things that I like about the raid in general. Okay. Uh, I do like the aesthetic of the raid, the overall look of it, the design. You know, it, it's inside of a pyramid ship. It's very darkness themed. You mm-hmm. know, this isn't a planetary area that we're constantly in. You know, like, a, all right, let's look at King's Fall. King's Fall took place inside of the Dreadnought for the most part, but it's all Hive-themed. And we've seen a lot of Hive-themed stuff for a while. Vault of Glass was all about the Vex, so it's all Vex-looking, and we've seen Vex iterations since the game started. Mm-hmm. At least inside Vow of the Disciple, we're in a pyramid ship. It looks rather unique from the rest of the game for the most part, and from at least the throne world itself. It doesn't look like it's, you know, part of the throne world. It looks like it's a separate entity within the throne world. Mm-hmm. It gives it a nice look to it. I'm, I'm down with it. Lots of black, lots of shiny, you know, uh, some bright pops of color here to make the dark really stick out and shine. Uh, the, I want to say the energy effects are kind of cool, being that gold and black swirling effects. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Those are neat. I really dig it. Uh, the sound effects are really good as well. It has this very metallic, robotic, alien-type noise that we're not quite used to. You know, it's letting us know this is something new. This, this is a new encounter. We're not really in our element, so to speak. We kind of are. But I also like what they used with the visuals to kind of tell a story about the pyramid, this particular one. As you're traversing it, 
it becomes very, very obvious that the interior looks like a museum or like a medical research facility or something like that because there's dissected hive worms inside of it. Mm-hmm. There's people that look like they've been, uh, I want to say like frozen in carbonite. It's more like a crystal or at least a cross-section of humanoid-looking things mm-hmm. in there. There's those statues that are kind of half-produced, like they're being put into a... Um, or being being spewed from a uh, a 3D printer that stops halfway through, you know? Sure. <laughs> no, really. And it, and, and <laughs> no, it, it I, I, of, yeah, I get that. It kind of tells a story. That this is kind of a exploration or a... Um, a scientific facility inside this particular one and stuff's happening in here. In fact, it kind of directly ties into one of the bosses that you encounter, which is the caretaker, which is supposed to be a combination of a, um, a scorn and Mm -hmm. a hive worm, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're kind of being fed this little bit of a narrative as to kind of what to expect based on, your visuals in here and for visual storytelling. And I do like that because I play a lot of the dark souls games, you know, souls like games. They're very, very obtuse with a direct story. Everything is environmental and off to the side as parts of, uh, you know, little bits and pieces of lore information on weapons and items. The Bungie did a very good job with this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing I like about this raid <clears throat> is the boss Rolk itself. Okay. From the moment you see it descend down like Batman, mm-hmm. <laughs> upside down, and yeah. basically look like a coffin. And then there it is floating in the air above you, this very lithe, thin being that has almost a regal disposition about it. He's there with his hands behind his back. His chest is popped out. It shows superiority in his body language. When he's strutting around, and my wife called it strutting, she actually said, you have to be very confident in yourself to have that much swagger, strut, and ass wiggle as you're walking around <laughs> in the middle of the fight. Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Yeah, he does. He, 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 she, it, it looks very alien. We've never encountered a being like Rolk before. Mm-hmm. And this was an introduction to something brand new. And I really like that. And I I liked the experience of having a boss enemy wandering an area. Mm -hmm. In a way, at points, slowly stalking you. Then it would do a stash attack. You know, that's fine. It had this big blast areas that it would go through. Okay, cool. That's normal stuff. Uh, a lot of folks compared it to, wow, this is actually what an MMO fight is like. And yeah, in a way it is. It's also a first person shooter. So they managed to walk that line very well with Rolf. Even for being when that walking section where actually fighting him one-on-one is in a somewhat small arena, it still felt fresh. Mm-hmm. Really? So what, what did you like about Val the Disciple, Ben. Did you have anything that really stood out to you as this was really, really cool? Um, Honestly, kind of everything you just hit on. um, I really, really did like that it was, for the most part, an entirely unique, like, world space. 
and how we moved around the pyramid and that it, it wasn't something that we are in all the time, like a planet location. The darkness feeling to it, the fact that it, I mean, obviously everything in it is kind of got the darkness stuff on it with being inside of a pyramid. Mm -hmm. The storytelling along the way, um, like the big Leviathan rib bone that's in the, the, center yeah. of the open area in the first encounter yep rolk was very cool I, that is I, I guess i'm trying to think i feel like that's one of the more unique bosses if not the most unique that we've seen like it's not something that we could have just predicted no and i like thinking thinking back on seven years of raiding in this game there has been nothing like rolk before we know especially in design yeah uh, for me also, um, I did, I do like a good chunk of the weapons. Mm -hmm. I think that I do like that they do have a pretty unique look to them compared to any other weapons that we can get. My, my current favorites right now are the submission SMG and the forbearance grenade launcher. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're both fun to use and, uh, the cataclysmic, the linear fusion rifle is probably one of the coolest sounding linear fusions in the game and i like it purely based off off of the sounds that it makes when you shoot <laughs> that, that, that's actually kind of cool that if you you really dig a weapon based off the sound it makes you know yeah that's actually really a nice touch um and a plus side to the weapons is they are craftable yes that's a good um one. And with some of the changes that have already been made to some of the raid perks, they do have a couple desirable roles. Can't remember what there was a perk. It might be bait and switch that went from like a 20% boost to a 35% boost. So like that adds some want and desire to that perk as well as trying to pair it with something else that works for you or would work in Right. In good, uh, I can't think of the word. It would just work with that perk. Right. I guess, I, I think that's actually about it. I had a lot of the same stuff that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as likes, and I don't know if there's really much else to add, because you put, you put things pretty eloquently, if I could say. Well, this is the part where we're going to switch gears a little bit. Then. <laughs> um, and we're going to get into the stuff that we disliked about the raid. And even some of the things that I was mentioning as a positive, I have an alternate perspective on those. Some of those positives too, that sure. aren't exactly. Well, it's not mean. It's more, you know, hey, this was great that we did blank, but, you know, it's not as original if you really look back on it mm. over the entire span of Destiny as a game. And that's kind of where I wanted to go, at least for me, with this. I leaned into my media studies background that I have degrees and stuff in. Essentially, when thinking about a piece of media content, whether it's a TV show, or video game, or novel, or movie, or something like that, especially one that has a genre to it, you can always look at the genre and pick out what two, two main forces within it. You have these conventional elements, 
these are the expected identifiable things that kind of are the signifier of a genre, you know, like when you see a buddy cop show, you expect certain parts out of it. When you watch a police procedural drama, like, you know, law and order SVU, you know, there's going to be themes, elements and stuff that are going to repeat because it maintains, you know, the overall genre of it. Mm-hmm. Science fiction, same thing. You're expecting certain things with that. Horror movies, you expect certain things from that. And to mix it up, you have the inventive elements, which are kind of like this little bit of spice that they add. And I'm just saying spice or seasoning. Mm-hmm. But it's these small additions that help to differentiate different media creations within a genre. So they're not all the same. So look at the show Firefly, okay, as an example. It's a science fiction show, but one of its inventive elements is they kind of really leaned into the Western as part of it, okay? Whereas Star Trek, even though that's considered wagon train in space, when you look at it, it really doesn't look like a Western. They made it look like a Western in Firefly. I mean, there's sure. an entire scene where you see somebody getting thrown out of a saloon window because there's a big <laughs> gunfight in a saloon. All right. I mean, that's in the show. So this is part of it. The, the, the inventive elements are small and they help to differentiate and make something interesting and new using the conventional tropes of the genre. Okay. Since that's out of the way, that's kind of the explanation as to where I'm going from. I thought about the conventional elements of a Destiny raid over the past seven years. Because my complaint about Bow is it uses way too many things over. It is the greatest hits of everything that Destiny has done in the past seven years when it comes to raids. Mm-hmm. And that is a little stale for me. But a conventional element of Destiny raids is you're going to have about four or more darkness encounters. Okay? These are ones where you have limited revives. Mm-hmm. All right? Uh, We always get an introduction section to open the raid, normally with some sort of landing cinematic where all the guardians that are going in are transmatting in as your ships are flying overhead and all this stuff to make it look all heroic as you're dropping in. Mm -hmm. We get that all the time. Think back on it. We've seen this every single time. Uh, We have puzzles within the raid itself that are not actually associated with progression or any kind of combat. These are just side puzzles, you know? Uh, in the Leviathan, we had that entire under, like, behind-the-walls <laughs> areas to mm-hmm. kind of open up, like, secret passages in and out of the different, you know, encounter rooms. Mm-hmm. That's technically a puzzle. And Wrath of the Machine, what do we have there? We had the... Uh, binary puzzle to get our hands on the raid weapon Mm -hmm. Uh, Val has the puzzle room in the front with all the symbols on it and that's to generate lore every time you do it once per run you can get like a lore thing Uh, Last Wish had the raid wall which was a puzzle into itself and it had multiple different things that you can generate from uh, including uh, a new emblem that you can get from it, an extra key to open up one of the treasure chests at the end, because there was like 
tons of treasure chests. You can only pick one when you completed the raid from having the drifter narrate it mm-hmm. or getting the grunt birthday party, like <laughs> hidden thing where heads would pop and you hear woohoo and like, you know, <laughs> confetti and stuff would go when you got a headshot on an enemy. Yeah. Um, so those are, that's something we kind of expect in a raid. Uh, jumping challenges are something we expect in these raids too. That there's always going to be a sequence where we have a jumping puzzle or just mm-hmm. a jumping sequence. It may not be a darkness zone when we're doing it in, but there's always an area where it's going to test our agility and able to navigate a tricky environmental section. Uh, I can remember, you know, thinking of, um, what was it? Garden of Salvation? The jumping puzzle in that was, you know, it was kind of spread out a little bit, but it was that underground section where you're kind of shooting like the flower buds Mm -hmm. to open them up and using them as platforms. And then later you had that part where you were running around the side on these very thin, narrow ledges and getting to basically a water wheel. Mm -hmm. And you either had to work your way around and up through a jumping section or be brave and jump onto the water wheel <laughs> itself and ride that thing all the way up. So it does test your skill. Mm. Uh, we have mechanics during timed encounter segments. These are typically the darkness zone ones. So there's something that we have to do to trigger a section where we can either damage the boss or remove a barrier for progression. Deepstone Crypt had the fuses. Technically, the the fuses aren't a boss. It's something we had to disable. Mm. You know? But we had mechanics to pull that off. Uh, Vault of Glass with Atheon. We had to go into the past or the future and grab a relic and come back out while the other team is calling out oracles and the ones inside are shooting them. You know, that's mm-hmm. the mechanic for a particular fight. Typically, there's always a white mechanic mm-hmm. in a raid where if everybody's dead, it fails the encounter and you have to start over. And usually the end boss will always incorporate multiple mechanical elements from prior encounters. It's the culmination of everything that you've experienced and learned up to that point, kind of crammed into one final battle. Mm-hmm. Okay, those are the conventional elements of Destiny. But for Valve specifically, I think the inventive elements for it was, all right, first off, the location is a pyramid ship. That's, yeah, that's, that's we talked about why we like the, the aesthetics to it. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Rolk himself is a final, itself, I don't know if it's a him or her, itself is a final boss. Definitely is one of the inventive elements to it. And then the new mechanic that they added, because there was a mechanic that was added that was new to this, which was the payloads in the opening segment. Mm. Prior to Witch Queen, we really didn't have a payload that I can recall where we had to go with something moving at a slowish pace. Mm -hmm. And that is the thing that locked progression for us. Yep. Now problems the pyramid this is not a new location per se no we've actually been in pyramids before i think that kind of hindered bog a little bit 
because this wasn't the big wow moment that, oh my God, we got to see in here. Said we've been in one in Shadow Keep. In Beyond Light, when we were gaining the darkness powers, we'd be teleported inside of a pyramid briefly, mm -hmm. in with the statue. In the Witch Queen expansion itself, during the campaign, we go inside the pyramid on Europa. Mm -hmm. So we really get a good look at the architecture and how it's set up. I mean, the setups aren't exactly the same. I bet each pyramid is relatively unique in its own design on the interiors. But we have a good idea of what to expect now. Mm -hmm. And that kind of takes away a little bit of the wow factor for me. Sure. I would also say Rolk itself has problems. And it's not necessarily in its design, you know, how it behaves in combat. But it's this is some brand new entity. We've never experienced or encountered anything like this before. It kind of taunts us through talking to us throughout mm -hmm. the entire raid. And then we get to the end and we kill him. And it turns out that he's probably the last of its species. Yeah. So we were introduced to something originally wholly new and unique. And this is the only time we will encounter it. And I feel that's kind of a wasted opportunity. Sure. Now, keep in mind, Destiny has, in the past, brought back enemies. Tanix. Tanix. <laughs> yeah. We, we've seen them on repeat. Tanix. And <laughs> they come back. And I have a feeling that, you know, we will see some returning enemies that were more recently added. Like, I have a feeling we're going to see Aramis at some point again. I think she's gone stasis r r r uh yeah rolk i don't know they maybe they will maybe they won't but it's mm -hmm. kind of a shame that there was a brand new enemy a brand new entity that we've never experienced out of the entire seven years of this game so far and we kill it mm -hmm. that i find kind of a letdown i thought about it and I mentioned the payload being a new mechanic, but that mechanic is boring. That payload section at the beginning is hellaciously long, almost needlessly so. Mm -hmm. And it just drags, and you can't do anything to accelerate it. That payload moves at its own pace. Mm. Once you get it to start going, you can't do anything to make it go faster. Fortunately, it doesn't go slower. The slowness <laughs> really comes in from how quickly you destroy the ads and pick up all those little, you know, little relics around to charge the payload back up every time it runs out of power, every quarter mile it travels <laughs> until it gets to the pyramid. I think it was a little bit too long of an encounter in general. It could have been cut in half. Mm -hmm. And and this kind of like dovetails in a little bit with the opening to it part of the conventional elements is what was stopping us from being dropped off directly in front of the hole on the side of the pyramid why were we dropped off like a mile or so away mm -hmm. what, what, what why why was it needed to do that in deep stone crypt i was least understood that because of the horrible blizzard conditions 
and not actually having real knowledge as to where this base is because you kind of had to find it in a blizzard you know mm -hmm. yeah um we went we wouldn't have gotten dropped off we got dropped off as close as we could in Val, why were we dropped off so far away what was preventing us from transmat again right at the mouth of the pyramid i find that confusing it feels like they did that so they can just put in the payload section and I feel that could have been cut out altogether. And it could have tightened up the rate a little bit better. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm kind of disappointed about that. Keep going with what I'm going, then you just want to go over it. Is there anything you want to like talk about so far that I've kind of touched on as things I'm not fond of? I mean, so far, I, I think... The, the criticism is fair, but I'll uh, I'll let you keep going and I'll chime in as we get to other stuff that I actually okay. have here. Yeah, okay. I, I, I know that you probably got a lot more when it comes down to the master stuff because that really sparked your, um, you know, your brain <laughs> when it comes yeah, to like, wait I've, a minute. I've got about a page and a half of stuff on okay. master. I, I'll keep going then. <laughs> um, I also think this raid has way too much dead space between encounters. It just feels like there's a lot more breathing room in between encounters than in prior raids. Like, they want us to explore the pyramids, so they make these really big, grand areas, which I can appreciate. Mm -hmm. Go back to the environmental storytelling. I just, there are moments where I feel it's too much. Like, the space in between, say, the first actual encounter, where you're hitting up those three obelisks and you have, you know, the unstoppables coming in and you're reading off all the things and you're trying to decipher which obelisks and where you have to shoot, you know, mm -hmm. between that and the second encounter, there's too much space. There's just sure. too much. And then after the third encounter going to Rolk, there's also too much space there. It's just, it feels needlessly open and, I know that they're trying to show the scope of how big the pyramid is, but the other side of that blade is, it's also saying that there's not a lot inside of it. Sure. That is very hollow on the inside. Is that intentional? Is there saying that the darkness is rather hollow on its own? Or it's just the pyramid ships are just built very badly. <laughs> it's like kind of bad interior and decorator. I don't know. But sure. it just felt... It felt <laughs> having that much space sometimes feels oppressive and empty and yeah, I, that's not fun. If you actually stop and look around and you're going, wow, this is really big. Why did it need to be this big? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, the secret rooms being tied to individual symbols that are used to guarantee that red border raid drop at the end. Mm -hmm. That sucks, man. That's needlessly trying to remember the location of how many damn rooms throughout That's the entirety lot. of the raid. Mm -hmm. And then you add in how big the spaces are. I, I guess it's supposed to be challenging. I just don't like it. Sure. You know, and what did I have here? Secret rooms, red border, red drops are not fun. Having 20 plus symbols to memorize to do this isn't fun. Tying them together mm -hmm. outside of mechanics is no fun either. It's optional, 
only after you collect all the red border weapons for particular weapons that you want that you can then craft. Mm-hmm. So I added that in as the criticism, like, kind of like the, you know, people be like, you don't have to do that. That's optional. You know what? It's only optional if you're not trying to craft weapons. Mm-hmm. And that's a big draw. As you put out, one of the big selling points to this are the raid weapons are craftable. So yep. you're trying to get more of these deep sight weapons. You're going to have to do this. And it just adds additional time to the trade. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of additional time, that jumping puzzle. It's inside the raid is ridiculous. And not in a good way. <laughs> sure. It's too long. It's four separate stages. That you have to get through of a jumping puzzle. That's mm-hmm. too much. They could have condensed that. To Bungie's credit, if you have some skilled people that can kind of rip through it very quickly, they can stabilize the path for everybody else to follow, but then you still have to traverse it. It mm-hmm. still takes time, and you're still going up four different regions of this jumping puzzle. And it just takes way too much time. Again, makes everything look big and grand, but also makes it feel empty and hollow and there's not a lot of life going on in here. There's not a lot of activity in this raid. It just is space. It's too much breathing space for something where you're going into an extremely hostile and dangerous and alien environment. Mm -hmm. You have far too much downtime in this raid and that jumping puzzle doesn't help. Uh, But also I mentioned that Val kind of is the greatest hits of Destiny raid mechanics since mm-hmm. Destiny 1. So what Val does is it has symbol memorization, which you see that in Last Wish. The Taken Artifact and the Laser Artifact from Last Wish and Leviathan are present in it. The Vogue Relic for Vogue Cleansing of Darkness is in there. By the way, how the hell did that pyramid get the relic from the Vault of Glass? <laughs> There's no explanation. Um, if that's Kabir's shield that he crafted before he died and was, you know, overtaken by the Vex, how did it end up in that pyramid? That should be like an enormous story point, but it's just there. There's Mm -hmm. no explanation for any of this stuff. As a side note, I'm going to put this in here. The, uh, second clear I got, uh, it was uh, by Luce and Beam and her, uh, clan. Wonderful mm-hmm. people, great time. It was a little bit chaotic, but it felt just like home. They refer to the laser artifact from Leviathan as the bee's dick. Okay. Yes, bee's I dick. I call it the nut. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people call it the nut. Uh, the, the, what was it? The Space Canada people were calling it the nut. I was like, no, it looks like a bee's dick. And like, how, would you know, how would you know what a bee's dick looks like? And I, 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 went, I leaned in, I was like, I did work in pest control for almost a decade. You learn <laughs> things. <laughs> it looks that like is... a stinger, but calling it the bee's dick was just hilarious. When they said that, I actually choked on my microphone and started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, you called it the what again? And they're like, oh, we call it the bee's dick. I know it's, it just, you know, don't call it that. And I was like, no, no, oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to forget this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'll never forget. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so, you know, playing with people, always a good time. Uh, going back to the recycled elements, you know, standing on plates for DPS. That's a classic. Yeah, that's that a, that's very common. Yeah. Shooting symbols from callouts. That's a classic. Having a debuff applied to you randomly. That's a classic. Mm-hmm. Dunking into specific areas after gaining a buff is another classic. So there's a dunk mechanic. The only one that I did not see in here is throwing a ball. That's the only thing in this raid I did not experience was throwing a ball somewhere. Are you disappointed? Disappointed. <laughs> Literally no, unplayable. I mean, there's dunking. We have the encroaching darkness slash blinding of the guardian from Vault of Glass has been brought back for this. Individual mm. boss parts the targeting them. So Rolk, he has glowing sections that you have to break. Mm -hmm. Riven had sections during this one part of the raid, if you did it legitimately, where you're falling down past her <laughs> and you're shooting, no, really, and you're shooting parts of her off to do additional damage and to weaken her. You know, mm -hmm. same thing. Uh, enraged timers. We got those back. Uh, doing stuff to extend encounter time. That entire race in the third encounter where you're doing callouts and you're trying to move from point to point, and that's where you're also picking up all these different relics and using them you're extending the, the timer for how much time you have before you wipe. And also final stands. Two of the encounters in this have final stands. Yep. Caretaker and roll. Mm -hmm. This was the greatest hits of destiny raid mechanics. Mm -hmm. And outside of the payload, which one might argue could be like the caretaker, because how you fight the caretaker you kind of have somebody over by the caretaker following him along slowly, but I, I'd say that you're not actually doing anything to encourage the caretaker to move. You're trying to stop it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not really a payload mechanic. There, there's nothing new. There, there's no new, real new encounters. No real new mechanics in here. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are refined very much so. I'm not going to deny that. But I've done all this stuff for the past seven years in some form or another. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to do something new in a raid. And I had this feeling we may not even get that in Lightfall's raid. It might be a while before we get something really, truly new in Destiny raiding. I have this feeling that we're settling. We have settled into the toolkit as to what you can do for destiny raid encounters. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of feel like any real change is probably not going to come until the, the light and dark saga is done after quite, the final shape. Quite possibly. I would really hope that something new is added to a raid in the final shape, like something totally amazing, you know, not, it doesn't have to be amazing, just totally new out of the box that we've not done before in an FPS raid, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not a dev. I'm not a dev. I can sit here and spew out, you know, what I would like to do, all this, but again, time, money, labor, knowledge, knowledge, <laughs> yeah, technology, all those mm. things factor in. And they're already on a schedule and they already have what they're doing plotted out and things are being worked on in advance already. You know, we have next season coming up on May 24th. 
Mm-hmm. New season starts, season 17. Month from today. Yeah. And I guarantee they're already working on last season stuff for mm-hmm. this year, season 19. Yep. Potentially already working into Lightfall. There's got to be teams working on Lightfall already. Oh, I'm sure there is, yeah. Yeah, so there, there's already people working ahead on that. That means the raid's being worked on. That means the story, uh, the art, all that stuff. They're they're working ahead at this point. So any kind of course correction is going to take the, you know, pump the brakes on other things that could already be in the works and totally screw up their production cycle. So mm-hmm. I, I don't see anything happening for Lightfall. I'm having my fingers crossed that for the final shape being the last of the Light and Dark Saga, something brand new is brought to the raids. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else I have here. I said... Oh, this was something that bothered me from the very get-go. Is unlike some of the other raids that I've experienced in Destiny, where you go into it blind and, you know, you wipe, but at even the first glance, you start to have an idea of what you have to do. Mm-hmm. You have a base idea of it. That first big room inside the pyramid, the first darkness encounter, Mm-hmm. I had no idea what the hell was going on. Sure. I mean, I've watched videos and stuff of it, and it just got more and more confusing to me. And I don't think that's a very good thing. That it doesn't make logical sense as to why you're doing what you have to do. Mm-hmm. The fusion encounter in Deepstone Crypt. We could figure out we have to shut these fuses down. Mm -hmm. They're shielded. We have to open the fuse. Okay, that makes sense. How do you do it? All right. Hey, this one thing opens the doors up and, you know, back and forth. Okay, so that's how we're going to get back uh, up and down and in and out of the different sections. Oh, and this thing allows us to see glowing panels. Mm -hmm. There. It makes sense. Now we just have to put it together in the right order. Yeah. This just looked like, like, all right. So the first thing that happens is you see pyramid or traveler. Okay. On one of the, the call out totems. And that indicates what side of the map a taken knight is on. Why does it take a knight spawn on the map? Mm-hmm. What's the point of it? it doesn't really mean anything because you go and you nuke it, but it just because we figured out why, what you have to do to progress doesn't mean it's actually logical. Mm-hmm. It just kind of feels like that encounters a mess and other encounters are like that too in this game and in, in this raid specifically for me. And I find that very disconcerting and unenjoyable because yeah. I just, I learned how to do it just as Bungie intends you to do it but there's no why you need to do it this way where other raid mm-hmm. encounters prior did actually make you feel like you understood the reasoning behind doing this. Mm-hmm. This just feels like it's thrown together. Sure. Uh, let's see. And, you know, because of this, I find the overall experience of the raid kind of boring because it reuses so much of the mechanics, nothing is 
it seems intentional to make sense as to why you need to do things. You just do it to advance, but there's no reason why you're doing this. It's like, doesn't feel right. doesn't feel right to me. But let's get into the loot. Shall we get into the loot? Sure. You like the loot. I don't. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I, I don't like the loot. Uh, and I, I, I thought the loot looked bad to begin with. I don't like the designs of the weapons. However, oh, after sure. three times of going through it, I can amend one thing about this game, <clears throat> about this particular raid, is mm. that there are two weapons that I'm interested in crafting. So now I have enough inspiration to go and get enough of the red uh, box deep sight weapons for these mm-hmm. two and then move on. And that's the pulse rifle and the breech loaded grenade launcher. Those are the only two things I want out of this raid. Mm-hmm. I don't want anything else. I'm sorry. The moment I took, I had a raid weapon and I put butter bark, the shader on it. Mm-hmm. And these raid weapons now look like they're made in shop class. <laughs> that's not good the, the the pulse rifle and I will do this as a meme put butter bark on it mm-hmm. it looks like it's almost completely made out of wood out of like your grandfather's you know tool shed out of the back sure it, it doesn't look prehistoric it doesn't look alien it looks poorly made and I know there's shaders that make these things look really cool and stuff but at the same time when you put on ones that are kind of like ugly or a joke and it makes them makes the look of them really stick out as to this doesn't look good Mm -hmm. i mean there's gaps in these weapons when you put on butter bark it literally looks like it was glued together i'm ragging on butter bark (laughs) but that really stuck out when i saw that as oh these things are crappy looking and the raid exotic itself that exotic void pulse rifle that doesn't even feel like it belongs in this raid that feels like it's something to show off void 3.0 why wasn't this part of like an exotic quest outside of the raid Mm-hmm. So you can actually mess around with the void, you know, debuffs and stuff that you can spread around. Because that's the big thing with this gun is, that, you know, you shoot something that has one of these debuffs and it charges it up and then you can spread it around to other enemies. Right. Mm-hmm. What the hell does that have to do with the raid? Eyes of Tomorrow, at least it made sense that you got Eyes of Tomorrow out of the raid because that was a was Bray weapon. And mm-hmm. there's lore about... The Vex incursion, they were trying to build these things. Yeah, of course you would find it at Deep Stone Crypt where they were building weapons. The sure. Vex Mythoclast, you know, that's something sent back in time made by human hands out of Vex tech to help us, you know, put down the Vex problem. Yeah, that makes sense. The, the weapon, I don't even know the name of this thing. I don't remember it. And I don't care. It? And I don't care. And that's the bigger problem. Sure. Is it doesn't feel like it belongs in the raid. For me, when I saw Rolk's glaive that he was carrying, I thought that was going to be the exotic weapon. Mm -hmm. 
Could you imagine having an exotic glaive that allows you to do a brief teleport like he does? Like a teleport mm-hmm. charge. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be freaking wild? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, and have so many special like you know perks and stuff on it and whatnot. I think that'd be kind of neat. I already find the other three exotic glaives that we can craft kind of lacking. Even with the buffs coming up, I don't think I'll be using them. Mm-hmm. It was a Rolk's exotic glaive. Uh, Louvre's Ruin, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I use it, but it wasn't. It's this pulse rifle that seems totally dis- detached from the actual experience of the raid itself. Other than, oh, it looks like it does some darkness stuff when you're pulling in these debuffs. It changes the outside look of it. And mm-hmm. it doesn't work for me. Uh, but what about... Uh, anything about the loot that you don't like before we drop into the master loot? Because that's big problem i think um yeah let me let me go i have a couple points here go for it (laughs) okay um well since we're since we're on weapons and loot right now i'll just drop here um i do like that the weapons can be crafted but i hate that it's rng stacked on rng stacked on rng the fact that oh, you need to God, get five yes. five of the resonant drops that are completely random. Yes. Unless you buy one at the end, so you get one guaranteed weapon as a resonant drop that you want per week. Like, it's not yeah. even per character, it's per week. And, rem- and remember, when I talked about going around to all those different rooms to shoot one symbol to get another guaranteed resonant drop at the end, that mm-hmm. drop is random. Yeah, that's why I'm not even hitting on that, because it, it doesn't guarantee what you want. Yeah. And so the whole idea of needing that much RNG for something so that you can craft it and then go through the slog of leveling it to up to 16 to get the rolls that you want is really frustrating. Yeah. Um I I I don't know. I I didn't honestly feel like the leveling of weapons was as bad as a lot of people did until this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because a lot of the other stuff because there was in some ways like kind of target farms for things where you could get like only thrown world or stuff like that and you could farm it pretty quick and easy just to try and get what you wanted the fact that this is 200 different levels of rng and then needing to go through leveling the whole thing up it feels like i don't know it it almost feels like there's no respect of the time being put in to actually get to where you're at and it's really I, frustrating. I agree. To add to that, until season 17's changes happen, if you decide if you get lucky enough to get the pattern for one of these weapons, mm-hmm. because RNG be damned, or you've done it enough times that once a week, at, when you get to the very end of the raid, you use spoils to purchase mm-hmm. one of these weapons, so you're at least guaranteed. If you're lucky enough to get it, to mm-hmm. apply a new raid-specific perk to it, you actually need a new crafting material. Now, this is going to be going away next season, but mm-hmm. that's even more RNG because you only get these from dismantling 
raid weapons that have those perks on them. Mm -hmm. So if you roll a raid weapon that doesn't have one of these new perks, and I'm not talking about the origin perk, I'm talking about like, uh, I want to say like luck of the draw looks like a, like playing cards that are folded out or, you know, some of the other, some of the newer ones that they, that slide of hand or bait and switch, slide of hand, bait and switch, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Unless those weapons roll with them, you don't get that material you need. Mm -hmm. And if that's one of the perks that you want, good luck. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous, but that's being taken care of. But still the point stands that that's, as you said, 200 levels of RNG. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, another part for me, just in general with weapon crafting, is you can have a great roll that you find out in the wild or roll in the raid, and anytime you're using that, gives you zero progress to actually learning the ins and outs of that weapon so you can apply better perks to it when you craft it. You actually have to use a crafted weapon to then level and it, that just mm. seems oppressive. That's no fun. Why, why do I want to use something that's worse? Because mm. you have such a limited pool than something that I was having a lot of fun with. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the one thing I am not looking forward to when crafting those two raid weapons, when I finally get my hands on them. I know the yeah. end result's going to be worth it. But getting there, I'm going to hate myself. Yeah, 16 levels each, and it takes a long time to do it. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sorry. Keep going. Um, okay, I think I'm done with the weapons on this part. Um, okay. Let's see. Uh, 26 callouts uh, for symbols, which can be confusing. Um, and my team, who I've run it with, I think, I think 13 or 14 times now since uh, week one. Mm-hmm. Like it can still cause problems for us, and we have we have people that we have our own names for the symbols that we made on our day one attempt, and like the actual callouts and stuff like that. It doesn't mess us up often, um, but the fact that it still can cause problems for us, I can't imagine what it's going, what it's like for people that have never seen these symbols before or I, I I don't even know. Like I can't even imagine the confusion that it adds to just going through the raid. I um appreciated the raid teams that I went in with mm-hmm. that use the actual names that are assigned. Sure. And that was the first two <clears throat> clears I got when I did it with Space Canada. They have their own names for things. And mm. I ins- I started just insisting flat out or calling them what they I knew what they were. Plus, I had a cheat sheet open. I should never have to have a cheat sheet that takes my eyes off the screen mm-hmm. to figure out what I'm looking at. Yeah, even trying to quickly ads and try to read what's on my screen very quickly doesn't help. Mm-hmm. But when I'm out there as the runner in that first encounter, and I'm being told go to Jesus. And I'm, and I'm like, number one, no, no, I'm not going to do that. No. It's like, it's like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it, it looks like this. I was like, you mean worship? Yeah, yeah, go, we call it Jesus. It's like, no, it's worship. <laughs> you know, fleet is not badly cut pizza. Darkness is not gaping butthole. 
<laughs> Black Garden is not Mexico or Bulgaria or Italy. You know, it. Yeah. Worm is not tapeworm, though it could look like one. I well, we'll give it that one. But <laughs> some of these things, some of these callouts, you know, it's like, oh, that's forsaken. No, that's actually scorn. You know, mm-hmm. I understand why you're saying it's forsaken because that was the symbol for the the expansion. But if you're a new player, you never played it, you wouldn't know that. What's forsaken? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, by the way, uh, the the what was it? Grief. It's the person with the black hole in their chest. Mm-hmm. Grief. Oh, uh, Outrider, go to depression. What? <laughs> depression? <laughs> no. No, my therapist would come and kick your ass for you telling me to do that. <laughs> no. Uh, it's like, God. no, you have to go to that room. It's like, what room? Yeah. Like, oh, well, we call it depression. It's like, it's not. These things have names. Well, we came up with our own names. Why do people have to memorize Based on the group you're playing, multiple different names for these things. That's just mm-hmm. a, that has nothing to do with Bungie so much as they've made too many symbols. Mm-hmm. But you know, this is a an issue I have with playing with pickup groups and stuff. Now yeah. is if everybody has their own names for things, you're you're begging for confusion mm-hmm. for this raid, and that's not necessary. Uh, what else you got, Ben? Um, I did have the dead space between areas. Um, I feel like the the during the raid and even the throne world, they both feel very empty. Yeah. Um, the space between the encounters is empty and it lacks a lot of danger. Um, and while it does feel huge and like it allows appreciation for like what you're looking at and how big the space is and like appreciate the artists and everybody that put work into this. But without some things like enemies being there, it feels needlessly large. Yeah. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel dangerous. Like you said, yeah, especially inside of a pyramid ship, this place should be nothing but danger <clears throat> to mm-hmm. us. And it just doesn't feel like it. It feels like there's way too much space. That's just, showing off mm. yeah <laughs> instead of actually like it was <laughs> every single place in this raid should have random encounters like of just either scorn or taken teleporting in even mm-hmm. in those little spits just something even if it's like just those like taken thralls yeah something but it, it's just empty and it doesn't feel deadly mm-hmm um, and then my last point here, which I'll only hit on lightly because I do have it in the master stuff too, is champions. For me, and uh, what I know is a large uh, group of the player base has kind of hit champion fatigue. Um, and in the normal mode, there's only a few champions in the entire thing. Um, it does now kind of feel like it's adding artificial difficulty to the raid. And in doing so, it it kind of restricts what weapons you can use and forces people to run certain loadouts. Um, yeah, it, it's a bigger deal for me in the Master, but I, I uh, just want to throw it in here too that 
you lose a lot of freedom with things when you have to run certain loadouts because of champions being in the raid. This game is about playing your own way and build crafting is about that. And unfortunately, as you said, you have to then now craft into something that might alter your build mm -hmm. to handle an enemy type that realistically, I just wish we had a mod that we could slot, you know, kinetic champion disruption, you know, overload disruption, just any kinetic weapon you would equip could disrupt an overload or a, a, um, unstoppable or a barrier champion you know do the same with special and maybe for heavy too instead mm. of making it specifically targeted for a type of weapon like really yeah. overload smg really mm -hmm. <laughs> it i it, it had a problem when it first came out that it wasn't procking at all mm -hmm. and even after that's been fixed it, there's still issues with it the only SMG I've seen to work well with Overload SMG is the Terabah. And that's because <laughs> I end up procking, you know, release the Unleash the Beast, and it fires so fast that the Overload Champion has no choice but to go into the stun state. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that otherwise it's it's hit or miss. Mm -hmm. It really is. So yeah, definitely I, I think in general the community is pretty much had their fill of champions at this point. So I, I completely agree with you on that. But let's yeah. go into the master stuff because this is the inspiration for everything. Yeah, um, master, vow of disciple. Yeah. So I'm going to flat out ask you, are you even going to do it? No. Me neither. There's no reason to. Mm -mm. Uh, I don't think that master difficulty in general for raids respects your time. Because the rewards aren't there for it. Yeah. Uh, the adept weapons, at least in Master Fog, only drop from completing the challenge for that week. Mm -hmm. I is this the same for Val? I think it, it is. It is the same. <sighs> I'm sorry for that <laughs> long sigh of disappointment. Yeah. Uh, that that sucks. That mm -hmm. sucks. You should be getting loot just poured on you in this. And the fact that what you're getting out of a regular encounter chest is primarily armor and it's not very good. It's not even artifice armor like you get out of uh, Grasp of Adverse. That was the first mm -hmm. one that on the Master difficulty had an upgraded armor type. Yep. And you don't even get that in Master raid content. I know Bungie wants to kind of alternate back and forth so it offers value to you know doing a master dungeon or a master raid master raids have seems like they're getting the weapons master dungeons seem like getting the armor but come on you should get rid of the armor then in a master raid and just have weapons drop each time and just give an extra chance if you complete the challenge mm -hmm. you know Talking about the adept weapons, something that the people that have played Master Vow understood and figured out very quickly is that adept weapons are not intrinsically any better or more powerful than a crafted weapon with enhanced perks on it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And rand and adepts are all random rolls. Oh yeah, I can put in an adept mod, but my enhanced mods on the crafted weapon of my design are on par 
Mm-hmm. Where's the incentive for me to do the raid if the weapons aren't better? I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it. And adept weapons aren't craftable. Nope. And due to a bug, if you do get an adept deep sight weapon, if you complete it, don't turn, don't finish it off and get the materials out of it because if you're missing um, parts towards a uh, pattern that you can craft, it an adept deep sight weapon currently won't give you progress and that's bugged yep so don't it's bugged and they're aware of it yeah they're aware of it it's bugged just don't turn them in yet uh another thing is there's not enough uh raid um cosmetics that you can earn Mm -hmm. there's no memento from the raid itself at all master definitely should have had one but it wasn't something that they uh, Bungie allotted time for and resources to do. They just didn't come up with it. Mm-hmm. There's no master raid armor. You don't even get any kind of raid um, ornaments for your armor to make them look even better. Mm-hmm. That would have been fine in lieu of armor drops, having cosmetic drops. You get a sparrow for completing the master raid once. Vogue, you got a ship. Mm-hmm. This time you get a sparrow. In Lightfall, we're going to get a ghost. <laughs> the cosmetic rewards are almost non-existent mm-hmm. in Val the Disciple. Yeah. And that's somewhat disappointing. But I do understand, you know, time, labor, resources, technology, all those wonderful things that go into game development. I just wish it was a little bit better thought out. Mm. Uh, Venge, so what do you want to add to this? Because Masters, what made you go grr on Twitter? Yeah, <laughs> okay. So, uh, so my issues with Master Bow starting here with rewards. Um, so I I was able to watch quite a few runs, quite a few, uh, a few uh, runs of Master uh, when it came out on Tuesday. And uh, it it was fairly clear that aside from the difficulty boost, there wasn't much to offer as rewards um, kind of at all. Uh, So first here I have um, adept weapons. Um, And like we talked about, uh, they are only available when you complete uh, the weekly challenge for whatever encounter it is. And I know that that's how it was in Vogue. I don't think there was any other way to get adept drops aside from the challenge, which feels bad. Challenge and purchasing it from the uh, vendor at the completion of the raid. Okay, okay. You use spoils to purchase the adept, but only the adepts that you that you previously acquired. Yeah. Okay. So then I actually so yeah. This is it. It feels really bad, and it means if you don't have spoils you get yourself a single weapon drop in the entire Master Raid, assuming you're able to do the challenge. Mm -hmm. If you don't, the raid itself only drops armor. The only plus side, in my opinion, of the armor that drops is um, weekly it will rotate to a 
a stat that will be guaranteed a high roll. Like this week, it's mobility. I don't know what, what the rotation is going to be, but in my opinion, that is uh, not good enough, and it's pretty disappointing. Um, in normal mode, well, uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, normal mode weapons do not drop in this raid at all. It's only armor and the adept if you do the challenge. And for me, this feels even worse. Uh, only getting one chance at a weapon drop for doing the challenge feels really, really bad for a looter. Yeah. And at this point, unless you are a new player, and if you are a new player, I don't know if you're going to be doing a master raid, you have armor that you want. And sure, you can try and get a slightly better roll than what you have, but with no cosmetic change, it feels pretty terrible. For adept weapons, there none of their perks that drop are enhanced. There's no chance for them to drop as enhanced, and like we talked about, you can't craft them. And the only change is the last two uh, columns have uh, two two perks. But unlike Master Vaulted Glass, there is not like a curated role for the weapon, meaning like. The only one I actually have is Fatebringer. That has explosive and Firefly. Is that right for the the, the quote unquote curated, I think? Uh yes. anyways. There uh there's nothing like that. So the weapon itself is completely random. And with that being how it is set up, other than having a different look than the original weapon drops. Uh, there's almost no desire to have the adept weapons because of crafting. Like you said, they are bugged, so if you get a resonant drop, don't finish it because it's not going to count towards anything. Um, it is a a bug. They're aware of it. No ETA on effects either. No, yes, true. In my opinion, the adept weapons feel useless, and with having even more levels of RNG tied to it without enhanced perks. It's just not worth grinding for, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, the only difference would be adept mods. Cool, I guess. <laughs> One thing that I do not know right now is if you can actually farm the challenge. So like in Master Bog, you could go through and do the uh the templar challenge over and over and over and over again and still get the adept weapon i don't know if that is a thing right now in master vow i'm probably not going to find out yeah I, I can't even answer that one either um another thing is it is not a set weapon per challenge it's entirely random um and like i just said to master vog if you want a, a fate bringer you can grind that the entire week if you wanted to and try and get a roll that you want. Yep. So my example here was like, if you want an adept pulse with good double perks, I don't know if you can farm for that more than one time. Um, and again, it's entirely random because there's no curated roll. But at the same time with how it's set up, you can't, get a specific weapon. It's entirely random for all weapons in the raid. 
which also feels kind of bad when you compare it to what Vaulted Glass did. Yeah. There's a lot of issues with rewards set from Master Vow uh, that make it undesirable to like want to run, not for the Triumph or for the title. I myself do enjoy the raid, but unless my raid team like pushes me into it, I will not be running Master Vow on purpose. It wasn't tempting seeing how it was set up this week, and I don't see it happening more than once if it happens at all. Yeah. One of the bigger things that they did for difficulty was adding more champions. That happened in Bog, too. Okay, I didn't I didn't actually run through the entire Vaulted Glass on Master. <laughs> so, no, there, there was more champions in Master Vog. Me, personally, I don't like this. I mentioned uh, fatigue from champions in the, the last section here. But it adds more champions. So all of the Glyph Keepers become champions. Yep. So those are tied to Overload or Unstoppable. At least they don't add, like, barrier champions in here. And it just further restricts loadout options for literally every single encounter of the raid. Yep. It's very frustrating. In the Caretaker and Rolk encounters, uh, in normal mode, there is not champions. But in the Caretaker, there is overload hobgoblins that spawn on both sides of the ad clear. And uh, for Rolk, oh, those hobgoblins, I think, are infinitely spawning also if you kill them. I don't know for sure. Again, I don't, I'm probably not going to find out. And then the Rolk encounters, you have, you're going to have an unstoppable and an overload for each damage phase, assuming you're not losing the buff. In my opinion, this is a huge problem for the gauntlet encounter. And I don't know, it, it might be called exhibition. I'm not sure what the actual name of the encounter is. I just call it the gauntlet. That, that that's where you have to keep picking up the different relics and you keep getting a new one each time. It's like yes, it is exhibition. Yes. Okay. So in the master version, again with the glyph keepers becoming champions, you're going to have an unstoppable and an overload. Twice, two on each side, and because of the way that your team is going to be set up and constantly changing relics. Every single person needs to run Unstoppable and Overload, further restricting what your loadout is. And that is, that feels worse than just champions in the base version. Like, that is awful. Uh, Unstoppable for me is not much of a problem, but like we did talk about, uh, Overload on auto rifles and SMGs is still pretty bad. It feels like it adds more artificial difficulty by severely restricting what weapons you could run and with more enemies and match game being added it's it just feels bad and uh the last thing i have is just talking about match game <laughs> yes and so for me it's a weird thing to throw into a raid i don't i i, I don't know if it would be super terrible but if you're having to restrict your loadout for champions it's going to be even harder to make sure you have the right burns on your weapons a lot of res loadout restrictions is just a a bad feeling and then one more thing i'll throw in because you talked about it too cosmetics are basically non-existent and by basically i mean they're just they're not <laughs> 
I really would have liked to see at least different looking armor for the drops to make it something that's like, oh, this looks really cool and I can either have it drop as an ornament or something that you can use for transmog. But it just, it feels bad that there is almost no reason to run Master Vow. Which for me does suck because I like the raid. I was kind of hoping it was going to be something that I could just do with my team and we would be able to get through it just fine. But just the, the loadout restrictions on their own make it really, really undesirable for me in basically every way. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. That's the, the thing with the master difficulties in this game is it's extremely restrictive to what you can use to go in to achieve success. You can attempt them with mm. other things that aren't good, but uh, personal experience for me says that I tried doing a master vault of glass once, maybe twice with my own clan. Mm-hmm. And when I started inspecting their loadouts, I realized there was no way in hell we would have been able to do this because people mm-hmm. play differently. It's a yeah. different mindset to go into master level content. You have to almost build very, very specific ways. And if you don't have that gear and loadout, probably setting yourself up for failure in addition Mm. to get to the power level required we're talking pinnacle power cap and a plus 20 artifact yeah to get to the baseline Mm -hmm. to do master vow i know people are yelling that you know well master vog is still 1590 and vow is only 1580 i thought this is supposed to be harder i'm sitting there going no no no. you you misunderstood what bungie's doing by only blocking you to have plus 30 on your artifact. Whereas Master Vault of Glass, you could keep going above. (laughs) If your artifact kept getting bigger, you know, with the power and it made it easier for you, they've now capped it. This is going Mm. forward. Everything's going to be capped at a certain amount that your artifact will stop giving you any benefits whatsoever Mm. to overcoming the challenges. So that's a good change. But regardless, there's just not enough meat in the rewards structure for the amount Mm -hmm. of difficulty and investment I would have to put in as a somewhat casually hardcore endgame player to this game. And it doesn't feel like it's very respectful of my time. Mm-hmm. At least with Master Vault of Glass, number one, I had tremendous people I played with that helped greatly. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you, there were days when we were just doing a challenge because that's all you had to do. We would get the checkpoint. We wouldn't go through the whole raid. We would just get the checkpoint mm-hmm. and go off of that. But there were times when we were stuck doing that challenge for two, three hours before we yeah. finally got it to go through. Mm-hmm. These things are unforgiving. And their difficulty. Mm. I want to be rewarded for this. Same. And it's just, it's not there. I know you said you like the raid for me. After thinking about it, I have the raid as out of scale of 10. It falls in a solid five or six, depending on, mm. you know, my mood. Right now it's sitting at about a five. 
which is mm-hmm. average. It's okay. It's not the worst thing I've ever played that Destiny has produced as a raid. Uh, unfortunately mm-hmm. for me, those would be Spire of Stars and Crown of Sorrow. Sure. I think those are the <clears throat> worst raids that have ever been put out in this game. And I know people that really love those raids for their own reasons. I found them to be buggy and just... You know what? The bugginess of it was really what spoiled it for me. Mm-hmm. Because those were just unforgivingly buggy and at points. And also, the time for any kind of a correction was almost non-existent in those raids. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you goofed even slightly, you could pretty much wipe your entire raid. And I just didn't like it. I, I thought they were just badly made just to be hard for the sake of being hard without really thinking it through. Mm. Every time I've played with the groups, you know, that's a 10 out of 10 experience because I actually enjoy the people generally I play with. And I I, I appreciate every single one of them. The only thing that has changed in my mind is that I actually want to be able to craft two weapons out of the raid. Mm. Prior to it, I didn't want to before I went in and experienced the raid. Afterwards, and I got my hands on the um, grenade launcher and the pulse rifle, yeah, I, I kind of do want to craft an insidious, you know? Mm-hmm. I really do. And because I enjoyed those things. I can't talk about the linear fusion, never got it to drop. Can't talk about the primary fusion, never got one to drop. Mm-hmm. Feels bad. I got the SMG, not a fan. I have multiples of the glaive. Mm-hmm. Not going to use it. Sure. But. I at least have two things out of it, but after that, I'm done. I don't care about the raid exotic. The raid exotic is so feels so disconnected from the raid itself that I can't even remember its name. It doesn't even want to stick with me. Collective obligation. Okay, but I have I can it. Tell, <laughs> but I can tell you, I love anarchy. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I love the raid that I got it out of. Mm-hmm. I loved Anarchy. I actually enjoyed using um, uh, Legend of Acrius, the first Destiny 2 raid exotic. Mm-hmm. Same. It's a, it's a heavy shotgun. You can't go wrong. It, it, you get up next to something, it goes bye-bye. It, <laughs> yeah. it, it deletes <laughs> things from the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, it, it's fun. It has a short you know, range. But I remember it. I used mm-hmm. it Teraba. I made fun of Teraba up until recently. Yeah, when they fixed <laughs> yeah, when they started when they fixed when they fixed um, SMGs. Teraba has now become staple for me in Witch Queen mm-hmm. content. Yeah, I can't say Collective Obligation, and this is the first time I've remembered the name because Avenge said it. <laughs> is ever going to stick with me? Mm-hmm. If I do pick it up, it's I'm going to buy it from the monument of uh, lost exotic weapons for spoils mm-hmm. and stuff when the raid goes away. Mm-hmm. If it ever even gets there. I'm not yeah. worried about it. I do have here that my closing thing is Destiny needs badly new ideas for their endgame content, specifically raids. Mm-hmm. And they rely too much on conventional elements built over the years, plus some uninspiring inventive elements this combination may start to dissuade raiders from continuing to invest more time than minimal. Mm-hmm. 
And I wrote here, it's like, I know that I'm rating once I get those two weapons I can craft until Lightfall because I can tell you what, the reprised raid, it seems like all signs are pointing to it's going to be King's Fall. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do King's Fall. I did enough King's Fall in Destiny 1. I don't like King's Fall. <laughs> It was fun the first couple times I did it, mm-hmm. but I'm so worn on it. I'll I'll pass. So this is uh, this is disappointing that I'm basically done raiding once I'm able to get the stuff to craft the weapons until the mm-hmm. next actual expansion. Yeah, I always have dungeons coming. We have a new dungeon next season, and on season 19, we're going to get one too. So that's exciting as hell for me because those are new. Mm-hmm. Reprise raid doesn't do it, unless of course the reprise raid is actually Crota's end, because then I would do that just for old time's sake. Because I actually enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. This is this kind of stinks, and I'm sorry, but for me, Val is just not it. And I hope mm-hmm. that we've made our case clear, and I hope some of our criticisms the developers find valid and mm-hmm. worth looking into. Anything else you want to add, Venge? I guess my little closing thing here. I do enjoy Vow of the Disciple. Uh, the master version does feel kind of rushed and very unrewarding. I can say that this is the first raid since um, OG Leviathan that I've actually been running week to week. Um, I haven't enjoyed a lot of raids in Destiny 2, and I kind of looked at some things. Uh, Scourge of the Past for me had the most raid completions at 17 at least half of those completions were farming the final boss with a team to get anarchy. That was it. And behind that is Leviathan at 14. Um, and I'm there with Vow the Disciple already. And I do plan on running it weekly until I'm able to craft the weapons that I want. And at least with spoils, I can get at least one per week, which feels bad. That <laughs> it's It's just so RNG heavy, but I am. I will run it until I can craft the things. Most of them I've gotten two or three to drop, but there's one or two. I I, I have one that I haven't had a single resonant drop yet. Just like you said, I uh, I do hope that our criticism is valid. I feel like we've gone about it in a pretty a pretty good way. Obviously, we do have a lot of complaints about the master raid, mm-hmm. and in some ways, the raid in general. But for me, I enjoy the raid, and I'm glad that I'm able to have a team to run this week to week and just kind of have fun and laugh because I haven't had that in Destiny. I can say in Destiny in a long time. Yeah. Um, so the fact that I have it with the raid feels really good. And lastly, just a, a thanks to Bungie and the, the raid team and the sound team and everybody that did work on the raid because I know that it was entirely done from home. It still feels bad how unrewarding the master is, but I'm glad that the experience is out there and people that enjoy it can have it. And I hope that improvements can be made moving forward in future raids and dungeons. Yeah. And that is what I have. I guess I'm also just kind of disappointed that I don't enjoy this raid as much as I could. Mm-hmm. You know, that after so many years of doing this, I just 
It, I'm looking at my raid report as you brought that up. I've completed mm-hmm. Vow three times. I've only played it three times. I've done 23 completions of Vault of Glass. That includes Master. Mm-hmm. I have had 33 completions of Deepstone Crypt, which I actually really love. Mm-hmm. I've done Garden of Salvation twice. One clear, one Divinity run. Mm-hmm. And a whole bunch of failed attempts. Yep. I've only completed Last Wish five times. Partially sure. is because I got uh, 1,000 voices on my first completion. Mm-hmm. I had no reason to go back. Done Crown of Sorrow once. I've done Scourge of the Past 14 times. That includes mm-hmm. the flawless run for the title. Oh, sure. Yeah, that was that was a trip. Spire of Stars I've done once. Multiple failed times, though. Mm-hmm. Eater of Worlds I've only done twice. I actually like it. One of those clears of Eaters of Worlds is actually the prestige version of it. Mm-hmm. So think about it. I completed it once normally and then once prestige. Mm-hmm. I still liked it. I don't remember any of the rewards that came out of it. I don't think there was anything exotic that dropped out of it. I know no, both there's... Eater of Worlds and uh, Spire of Stars had slightly different armor and I think one unique Leviathan weapon. Like the sidearm for one and the shotgun for the other. Yeah, and you know, Spire Stars, the only reason I wanted to do it is it had the emote. Yep. The toast. And that was it. And Leviathan, I have tons of unsuccessful attempts, but I've only completed it four times. Mm-hmm. I just kind of got burned out on the Leviathan. Mm-hmm. But we used to give it a shot so many times. I do remember it. Um, but I look back at you know what I did, and I could probably bring up my d1 stuff and you know it was a lot of i dabbled i tried i dabbled i tried and then when something actually grabbed me i really jumped into it and Mm. this just isn't doing it and it feels bad because for the past like two years i've been raiding very very heavily as by bog doing the master getting the title deep stone crypt doing the title doing everything in it Mm-hmm. grinding every week until Eyes of Tomorrow finally dropped because you needed it as one of the things for the title. 33 clears until I finally got Eyes of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I took a break because I didn't need to go back in there anymore. Yeah, I will go back in there when the raid rotators start because, you know, hey, I could probably use some new guns. But, alright. I think this is where we gotta cut it. I hope everybody listening, you know, just kind of thinks about what we're saying sees you know where they're at and if you have any you know criticisms you want to levy to bungee go for it but just make sure they're like polite don't threaten people anything like yeah, that no i think we did a very good job with that I, mm-hmm. I think we did a good job here with that you know we weren't like accusatory or anything tried to like be as thoughtful and mindful as possible with our approach mm-hmm. um so that means next time we'll be back to our normal bullshit and there won't be anything like this. <laughs> but you can always follow us at anchor.fm slash hg dash podcast. Twitter is at podcast underscore hidden. You know, give us a like, give us a follow, whatever. We're just glad you're here and you do listen. Mm-hmm. We'll figure out something for next time. I know there was a big weapons twab that hit with changes for the sandbox coming up season 17 this week. We didn't touch on that. We wanted to talk about the raid. Maybe we'll dig in a little bit on that 
Maybe we'll just talk about other things. I've been playing Elden Ring again. I got back into that. So, mm-hmm. see how it goes. But, in the meantime, thanks for hanging out. We appreciate your faces. Be well, everybody. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye.